0: Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and you're listening to a special bonus episode of the Imagineer Podcast. So occasionally over on Instagram, if you're following Imagineer Podcast over there, at least once a month, often more than that, I will turn to Instagram live to answer any questions that followers might have about anything related to Disney, whether that be planning a trip to Walt Disney World or to Disneyland or to Disney Cruise Line or any other destination around the world, how to become an Imagineer or a cast member, what we think about some of the Disney movies that are out and available today. We talk a bit about Disney Plus and a lot of other Disney topics. And because I know not everybody is necessarily following me over on Instagram, I thought it would be a good opportunity to record an Instagram Live event, an Instagram Live Q&A, and post it here as a bonus episode of the Imagineer podcast. So in today's episode, I will go through the Q&A from Instagram Live, which you'll have the opportunity to listen back to, and hopefully you'll find some of the information to be useful, interesting, entertaining, and to give you some more insights about all things Disney. Small little disclaimer in this Instagram Live, I do often think A little too quickly, and I accidentally said that the Haunted Mansion is 60 years old. It's actually 50 years old. I dated it an extra 10 years, so apologies for that. Uh, At the end of the show, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer Podcast on all your favorite social media channels, and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Disney holidays. How's everybody doing? Welcome to our special Instagram live Q&A. As always, we're going to be talking about all things Disney. Any questions you have about the Disney parks, Disney movies, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line. I want to answer them all today for you. And for those of you watching on Instagram Live, you have an extra special treat because the questions that you ask are going to be on a live podcast episode, which for those of you listening to the podcast, of course, that's what this recording is, to answer any questions you might have. So I know a few of you submitted some questions earlier on. I want to get to any questions I possibly can in as quick amount of time as possible, And if you have any thoughts, leave them in the chat, and I will get to again as many as I can. So I want to start with a question that came in from Logan, who asks for the top five Walt Disney World Resort hotels. There are a ton of places to stay at Disney, as all of you know. And those of you watching in the chat, feel free to let me know what your favorites are. But I find that I like to categorize them because there are different levels that you can enjoy at Walt Disney World. You have the Valley Resorts, the Moderate Resorts, Deluxe Resorts, and Disney Vacation Club Resort Hotels. And of those, my favorite Valley Resort by far is actually Disney's Pop Century Resort because... You get a terrific value for your money. It is considered one of the cheaper resorts on property, and yet it offers so much. The rooms have been recently renovated. You have the Disney Skyliner giving direct access to Disney's Hollywood Studios and Epcot. Plus, you have transportation by bus to Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom and Disney Springs. It's easy to get from place to place with Pop Century. In the moderate resort category, my answer used to be, the uh, Disney's Port Orleans French Quarter. But ever since Grand Destino Tower opened over at the uh, Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, I have to say that is my favorite moderate resort. Grand Destino Tower is beautiful, gorgeous, amazing. It's got a mural of Walt Disney and Mickey right there in the lobby. And the restaurant at the top of the resort, which is Toledo, is incredible. And again, an excellent location, really quick drive to all of the Disney parks, no matter what form of transportation you take. In the deluxe resort category, my favorite tends to be I would I'll give you two because I am allowed five altogether with this. My two favorite deluxe resort hotels are Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. It's of course the the go-to elegant classical hotel. It's got the monorail line attached to it. It's a quick monorail ride over to the, to the Magic Kingdom. And is just a beautiful resort overall, so can't go wrong with the Grand Floridian and Disney's Boardwalk Resort because of it being walking distance to Disney's Hollywood Studios and to Epcot. And my favorite Disney Vacation Club Resort Hotel, which is my fifth favorite Walt Disney World Hotel, is Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, especially the Jumbo House, although Kidani Village is beautiful. I love Boma, the Mara gico there's incredible places to dine you have the savannah especially if you have a savannah view to wake up every morning and see giraffes and wildebeest and a different antelope outside your window is an amazing experience and even if you don't have a savannah view you can always walk out to the poolside and get a great view of the animals out there as well so that's my top five favorite resorts thanks to logan for sending that in a lot of people in the chat saying Beach Club is their favorite, which is another great choice in there. And I actually tend to love the Yacht Club, although it's often forgotten between Yacht and Beach Club. It is one of my favorites. Other people saying Wilderness Lodge and Contemporary. You know, it's amazing with thirty plus resorts at Walt Disney World. There's just so many options to to uh, enjoy. Uh, Abigail, great question. What is the weather like at the beginning of November? So, November is a really perfect time to go to Walt Disney World because you might catch the tail end of Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. You still have the Food and Wine Festival, and it's usually a quieter time of year compared to especially the peak times. And the weather is gorgeous. Now, they can get heat waves in Florida any time of the year, they also can get cold spells in Florida any time of the year so it could be in the 80s it could be in the 40s most of the time it's in the 70s or low 80s which is I think perfect temperature for park going park hopping at Walt Disney World so truly a great time of year for weather it's very similar to February in that respect two of the best times of year to go for Walt Disney World weather Uh, J5 Lego, great question. What are my thoughts on Disney VIP tours? So I'll preface by saying, as of the recording of this podcast episode, I have not done any of the VIP tours before, but for those who I've spoken to who have done it, it's truly worth the cost. What's great about the VIP tours is not only do you get a VIP cast member guide who knows just about everything there is to know about the parks, but you also get uh, access to all of the attractions without a weight or with a very minimal weight. They pretty much bring you right to the, the beginning of the queue for any attraction that you would like to ride, with the exception right now of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance because that is still brand new and they want to try their best to make it very fair for anyone visiting the parks to be able to experience that attraction. But you get to get to the front of the line of any Uh, attraction that you desire at Walt Disney World, plus if you want to go from one park to the other. Now, of course, I should add that park tickets are required to do the VIP tour, so you have to pay for your park hopper or your park ticket in addition to the cost of the VIP tour. But you can go from one park to the next. Your VIP tour guide will take you backstage and give you door-to-door access to the parks and transportation is included. They do recommend tipping the cast member at the end of the tour, but otherwise it's an hourly rate. And that's the same hourly rate whether you have one person, two people, or 10 people. Now there is a limit. I believe it's 12 people as of the recording of this episode. But whether you have one person or 12 people, it's the same hourly rate. So if you're going with a group of people, although the rate can range from about three hundred and fifty dollars an hour to six hundred fifty dollars an hour, depending on the park and the time of year, and the time of uh, time of the week as well. There are uh, you can you can break that cost down among twelve people, and if you think about that, it's really not that bad of a cost for what you're getting. So, I think if you are looking for that VIP experience, Disney VIP tours give you a tremendous value for your money, and. Uh, it really can help to save you a lot of time and get a lot of things done in the park in a short amount of time. So great question. And Carly, the VIP tour does do Flight of Passage right now. So if you do a VIP tour, all attractions are included with the exception of Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. I'm sure as that attraction, uh, you know, ages a bit, it is going to uh, add to that list that they will be able to bring you onto Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance as well, Mackenzie. What do I think is coming for Magic Kingdom's fiftieth anniversary, which is going to be in 2021? The official fiftieth anniversary of Magic Kingdom slash Walt Disney World is October 1st, 2021. In that year, we are going to get. Tron Coaster, which is going to be opening. They don't have an exact date yet, but I am super excited for that attraction. We're also going to be getting over at Epcot, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. That will be opening that year. And I know there's a lot more that Disney is planning to reveal for the 50th anniversary. They're, in the next two years, going to be adding a lot of experiences to all of Walt Disney World, including Remy's Ratatouille Adventure over at Epcot. They're going to be adding the in January, actually, the Circle Vision movies for the new Circle Vision movies for the France Pavilion and for uh, China. I'm sorry, not for France, for China and for Canada um, called Wondrous China <clears throat> and Canada Far and Wide. Those are going to be the new shows over at Epcot. And then Epcot is getting a ton of new attractions as it ramps up for its big upcoming anniversary in uh, 2022. It's gonna be a lot of exciting changes coming to that park in the future. We're also gonna have Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which opens March 4th of 2020. And I am expecting that Walt Disney World's going to reveal a lot of information, probably the next Destination D event uh, for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. There will probably be special merchandise, a lot of special events, probably some dining packages and extra experiences that you can expect. So. I would recommend if you are planning a trip to Walt Disney World for the 50th anniversary that you book it as soon as resort rooms become available and airline tickets become available just in case it does get uh, booked up because I'm expecting a lot of people to go for the 50th Uh, what other questions did you all send in? Sarah asks, what kind of attraction do you think will be in the Mary Poppins lands? That is a great question. They, as of, again, the recording of this episode, have not announced what that attraction is going to be. It also depends, to be quite honest, Sarah, how much land they're devoting to the Mary Poppins attraction. Uh, for those of you watching and listening who don't know the news, one of the big announcements for Epcot is they are adding a Mary Poppins-themed attraction, the first ever, that's going to go to the United Kingdom Pavilion in World Showcase. Now, they haven't announced what that attraction is going to be, but Sarah, to answer your question, I would expect it to be either a trackless dark ride. I think that is a big opportunity, especially because they've been adding three uh, to Walt Disney World lately. There's one that just opened, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is opening in March. And then Remy's Ratatouille Adventure is opening in the summer of 2020. All of those are trackless dark rides and give a lot of interesting experiences for an attraction. Because the vehicles can move front and back and side to side and and spin and, and dance with each other and go through different types of maneuvers. It's really an interesting type of experience. And I think that might be what they make Mary Poppins but they also could make it a, a water ride. I think that's probably unlikely, just given the size of the land that they have available back there, or they could have some sort of a, uh, want to say virtual simulator, but not quite like Star Tours, more along the lines of Soarin'. Um, but my first guess, if I had to put my Imagineering hat on, is I feel like it's going to be a trackless dark ride of some kind. So we'll have to wait and see what Disney announces when they give more information about that mary poppins attraction uh where in the world can i get those lightsaber churros i see people with them but can never find the vendor so i have to do my research on that one i believe you can find them in disneyland though i think that's where you can get them and anyone in the chat who knows uh firsthand please let me know i haven't yet to get them i am taking a trip to disneyland real soon so i will let you know if i can get my hands on them as well Uh, Spence says, should be a below track hanging carousel ride going through Burt's drawing. That is an excellent idea. I love that idea. Yes, Jesse, can you imagine that? I'm sure they're going to have, without a doubt, tunes from Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns. I'd be really surprised if they didn't uh gracie heard the haunted mansion in disneyland in california will undergo a major renovation any thoughts on this i was so sad to find out it will be having a minor closure for the renovation gracie i that is true they are going to do a major renovation of the haunted mansion in disneyland now keep in mind that attraction is 60 years old and we did a podcast episode about the haunted mansion for the 60th anniversary this past august of 2019 And Haunted Mansion is an old attraction and it has gone through some refurbishments, but every once in a while it does need some TLC. And, you know, attractions that are that old really do need to be maintained in order to stay up to date with the latest technology. And just because, from an engineering perspective, parts break down and the ride becomes less efficient over time. So they need to go in and update it. And while, you know, these, minor renovations might be enough from time to time. Sometimes they do need major renovations to make sure that the ride is going to have a long life and get the efficiency it needs to deliver and bring a lot of guests through the attraction. I think they'll probably add some cool special effects, but that being said, the majority of the effects that are there now have been in place for 60 years. The Pepper's Ghost effect, the floating candelabra, Madame Leota. I don't expect we're going to see many changes with those. I think they're just going to update some of the older, outdated technology. So we'll see what they're going to do. Um, Guy says, I would design Mary Poppins like the Peter Pan ride. That would be really interesting as well. Aaron, the best 90s movies. So I have to say that the best 90s movies are, for me, The Lion King is at the top of the list. And one of the underrated ones in the 90s is The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Tarzan. I'd say they probably would be my top three for the 90s, but it's really hard to pick from the, you know, we also have Beauty and the Beast. That's high on my list. You have Aladdin, Pocahontas, Mulan. Uh, there's just so much that came out in the 90s. Not to mention we had Pixar movies like Toy Story and Toy Story 2. So there's a lot that came out in the 90s for Disney. Oh, Sarah, another great question. What's my favorite queue? So there is, you know, the best queue experiences are the ones that make you feel like you're already beginning the attraction before you ever board a vehicle. For that reason, I, of course, have to put the new shiny attraction, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. High on the list because it is a multi-level or multi-stage experience where the queue truly is part of the story and part of the attraction, which is part of the reason why it's considered to be a 15-minute attraction. But I also love Flight of Passage that standby queue is worth the wait. If you have a two hour wait for Flight of Passage, that standby queue with the level of detail that's included with the uh, even just the lab itself with the Avatar animatronic is so incredible. So that is certainly one of my favorite queues, but longtime favorites include Indiana Jones Adventure over at Disneyland. Tony Baxter and his team did an incredible job of creating a temple-like environment where you feel like you've just stepped onto the set of an Indiana Jones movie. And Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain, because of, again, the level of detail. Joe Rody and his team did an incredible job with Expedition Everest, and they even brought over 2,000-plus artifacts from Nepal. They bought out stores and shops in Nepal— to bring real artifacts from that country back to Orlando for Expedition Everest. And the storytelling in the queue for Expedition Everest is incredible. I talk talk about that a lot in a bonus episode of Imagineer podcast from a couple of years ago at this point, which is all about Expedition Everest. So definitely check that out. And I also recommend an episode I did on the best queues at Walt Disney World, which I did with... Uh, That Diz Girl, uh, Alessa, which you should definitely check out as well. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I will uh, try to put it in the show notes. Or if you do a quick browse through your Imagine Your Podcast uh, list of episodes, you should find it uh, somewhere around episode 35, I believe it was. Uh, Jesse, my favorite Disney hotel of all time. So we just talked about some of my five favorites, but if I had to pick one... I would probably say Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Let me go into some of the questions that were sent in earlier because there were some really great ones that were sent in before. Clayton asks, what's my favorite thing coming to Walt Disney World? Of all of the attractions, and I know just a few minutes ago, we listed out a lot of them. I'm really excited about Tron Coaster. That's gonna be opening at Magic Kingdom next to Space Mountain behind the Tomorrowland Indie Speedway in 2021. They're bringing it over from Shanghai, essentially cloning the version that's over at Shanghai Disneyland. And the POV footage from Shanghai's version looks so cool. It's a family friendly coaster, but delivers so many thrills in a really unique ride vehicle that makes you feel like you're riding a motorcycle what's not to love it's a trackless not sorry not trackless it's a roller coaster dark ride and i think it's gonna make another you know classic make for another classic e-ticket e-ticket attraction over at magic kingdom so i am uh very excited for that one attraction but it's hard to pick because there's so much that is uh that's coming out uh Derek, I think that's how you pronounce your name. Do you think Rise of the Resistance will raise attendance for Galaxy's Edge in the long run? I do. I anticipate it's going to follow in the footsteps of Flight of Passage. And if you think about Flight of Passage, even the movie Avatar, while it was one of the highest grossing films, of at the time it was the highest grossing film of all time, and that was passed by Avengers Endgame when that came out uh, in 2019. But that attraction, while not everybody necessarily loved that movie. There were a lot of people who did. It drove crowds to Animal Kingdom because of the experience. And I think whether you're a Star Wars fan or you've never seen a Star Wars movie before, you can really appreciate Rise of the Resistance because of the innovative experience and technology that the Imagineers created. I think it is on par with classic attractions like Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion and even better than Space Mountain, I think it really does drive home everything the Imagineers want to create, which is a family-friendly, electric, energized experience that is still accessible to all guests. And that's one of the things that I will frequently talk with other people about who love thrill rides and say that, you know, Rise of the Resistance doesn't deliver on those thrills that a lot of thrill seekers are looking for, which I respectfully disagree. There are those who do need or really want those uh, physical thrills, the ones that, you know, the roller coasters that bring you up to 5G's or flip you upside down 10 times. But the reason that those roller coasters exist is because they have nothing else going for them. They're just roller coasters and they've got no storyline. They've got no theming or very minimal theming. Maybe the name is the, the height of the theme. And so you need those physical elements to drive the thrills. But what Disney does so well is not always need to drive on the physical thrills, but on the storytelling and immersing you in this world where you feel like you are living out this experience. And I think Rise of the Resistance, while it is a ride and a multi-stage ride, is more of a cinematic experience that's in a category of its own where you feel like you are in the middle like literally in the middle of a star wars movie and you are playing out the part of one of the resistance uh you know part of the rebellion and it just i think the reputation of that attraction is going to drive crowds to galaxy's edge for years to come and anyone visiting disney's hollywood studios is going to put that attraction very high on their lists so I think yes. And the short the short answer there is I do think Rise of the Resistance is going to drive attendance to Hollywood Studios and to Walt Disney World in the long run. Sebastian, great question. What do you study in order to become an Imagineer? So Sebastian, I want to refer you back to a few podcast episodes if you haven't listened already. Episode 57 with uh, Imagineer McNair Wilson. Episode 59 with Imagineer Jim Sarno. Um, Episode 30 with one of the engineers who worked on the attractions, Guy Spagnoli, and even episode uh, 56 with the granddaughter of legendary First Lady of Imagineering, uh, Harriet Burns. Uh, the, The guest I interviewed was Haley Clare, who is her granddaughter, All those episodes can give you a great idea of what you need to study in order to become an Imagineer. My short answer for you in this space, though, is it depends on what area of Imagineering you want to pursue. Because even if you listen back to episode 57 with McNair Wilson, there are over 300 possible jobs within Imagineering. And it ranges from things like engineering to art to project management, to finance, to uh, special effects, uh, to show writing. There's a ton, and even music. There's a lot of different types of roles within Imagineering. You can also be a part of costuming, um, set design, lighting. Every element of an attraction or a resort when it comes to design needs an Imagineering expert. So it depends on what you want to do. But once you find that thing that you're most passionate about, you do want to pursue that path. One of the other things that McNair mentions is to be a jack of all trades. And a lot of Imagineers are naturally curious. And so they're constantly trying to learn new things. And if you can become a jack of all trades and learn a lot of different disciplines, while you might not be as uh, focused, and I think it is important in today's day and age to be focused, it adds a lot of Value to your resume to be able to do not just that one particular element of engineering, but maybe you do know show lighting, and maybe you do know how to write a good story, and those are things that are really valuable when it comes to being an Imagineer. Uh, what new, Ashley asks this question: What new features do you think will be added to the new Disney cruises? So I think Disney always, you know, increases the uh, increases their game or levels up with every new D- Disney Cruise Line ship. So I would think that. Probably the, the the shows are probably going to become more advanced, especially when it comes to technology. I think they're going to deliver new shows with the theaters, and based on perhaps some of the more recent movies that have come out in the last five to ten years, I do think they're going to add new technology to those shows as well. But I also think the interactive experience, especially for kids, but even for adults, are going to improve, especially in technology and in immersion, where I can't think of a particular story or movie that they might throw you into. but I do think that you know for instance, over on one of the cruise ships you can uh, in, actually fly the Millennium Falcon. It's part of a, a kid's experience where you can fly the Millennium Falcon. I think that's part of the uh, the inspiration for smugglers run over at Galaxy's Edge. And I think they're going to try to create similar experiences. And also remember, one of the best things about Disney Cruise Line is dining. So I believe they're going to be adding some really great new signature restaurants on level with Palo um, and other Disney Cruise Line signature restaurants that we can expect uh, probably at least one for each ship that we can come to enjoy. Uh, what other questions do we have in here? I'm going to go back to some of the ones that were sent in earlier and see what questions we have. Let's see. This is a great question. I was looking for this one. So Kayla asks, how does someone have an exciting experience going to Walt Disney World solo? Seems fun yet lonesome kayla you are absolutely right it is fun yet lonesome but there are ways to make it worth it and any of you watching instagram live if you've done this before definitely share your thoughts in the comments as well but there are a lot of benefits to going by yourself now one of the things that i will caution because i have done this as well is you will if you are a person who is really close with your family and friends uh you know you might very likely miss your family and friends while you're at Walt Disney World by yourself because you're going to be watching other families together, you know, taking pictures together, having a great time as a family, creating those family memories. That's the one thing that I will caution you to is it can get a little lonely in that sense. But here's how you make it worth it. You do everything you want. Um Aaron in the comments has a great point, those single rider lines. You can ride, you definitely should continue to get fast pass. For every attraction, because Fast Pass is still going to be shorter than single rider, but you get to ride single rider for any attraction that offers it, because you are a single rider <laughs> there by yourself. Uh, but again, still definitely get those Fast Passes. But you don't have anybody else to uh, you know approve your schedule or what you want to do. You truly can do anything you want. The other thing I find to be really valuable about going by yourself. And when I lived in Orlando, I did go to the parks frequently by myself is you really get to soak in the details because when you are with other people, you're of course talking and, and trying to build those memories together and you're focusing on each other more than you're focusing on the parks, which is what you should be doing. But when you're by yourself, you get to focus a hundred percent on all those details. So I would encourage you to go exploring. Go seek out cast members to talk to. Ask them the storyline behind an attraction. Even vendor carts have stories. So find out what those stories are. Talk to cast members. You can even make friends, new friends, in the single rider lines or in line for any other attraction. It doesn't have to be a single rider. It could be a group. And really appreciate the details that the Imagineers have created because there's a lot. They really put a lot of attention to detail with everything they do. So use it as an opportunity to consider it almost a research trip where you get to realize what those details are, uh, ask the cast members for the stories behind different areas, and experience the park and the resorts in any way that you see fit. So make the most of it. You'll still have a great time, Kayla. And uh, definitely let me know how it goes when when you come back from your trip. Allison asks, what are the best restaurants? I'm assuming you're asking at Walt Disney World. So I actually have three episodes about food I want to refer you back to. Uh, I, again, don't remember the numbers at this point, but definitely go back to our episode about the best full-service dining at Walt Disney World and the best quick-service dining at Walt Disney World, as well as, this one I do remember, uh, episode 49, which was with Disneyland foodies who are Disneyland food experts we we talk about the best places to eat at Disneyland. But just to give you some examples right now, my favorite quick service restaurant at Walt Disney World is Satuli Canteen over at Pandora, the World of Avatar, Disney's Animal Kingdom. Incredible food. The value is amazing. The food quality is on par or better than many of the full service restaurants at Walt Disney World. But when you get a meal, a drink, Uh, non-alcoholic that is just for pricing, a meal, uh, you know, a soda or an iced tea or non-alcoholic beverage and a dessert that will still cost you less than $20. And the quality is incredible. I love the bowls at Satouli Canteen. You can actually see the wood fire grill as you walk through the queue, uh, cooking up the chicken and the beef. They also have vegetarian options, really incredible food. Also at Walt Disney World, I recommend at Epcot Sunshine Seasons, but really any of the places to eat across the countries in the World Showcase are fantastic. Plus if you go during the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, I recommend just eating at those booths because it's incredible. Uh, Over at Magic Kingdom, my favorite place to eat is Columbia Harbor House. Again, very similar type of experience dining there. You get really high quality food. tremendous value and a lot of places to sit. I find it to be a great place to unwind in the middle of a day, especially during lunchtime. It's a great way to beat the heat and get some delicious food at a great price. And at Hollywood Studios, I am a fan of the uh, Docking Bay 7 food and cargo over at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I ate there for the first time, a few months ago, and I thought it was, again, very similar to Satouli Canteen. Great theming, great food, great ambience, uh, and a really terrific value for what you get. Full-service dining at Walt Disney World, I'm going to recommend California Grill over at Disney's Contemporary Resort. There is a high cost associated with dining there. It's not the most expensive restaurant on property, but it's definitely not the cheapest. It is incredible an incredible experience it's hard to get a reservation there for dinner for good reason you're on the 15th floor of disney's contemporary resort to so get prime view of all of walt disney world magic kingdom is right across the street so incredible views from you know 150 feet in the air of walt disney world plus the food the service everything five-star service i absolutely love california grill and a new favorite of mine is toledo over at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort at the Grand Destino Tower, also the top of the resort, uh, the the ambiance in there is not quite as opulent as uh, the contemporary resort. It's a little more laid back, but still beautiful. It's got a lot of artwork and interesting colors that uh, real really that Salvador Dali feel to it. And the food is amazing. Uh, to give you an example, it, especially if you have any sort of dietary uh, needs or you know, even wants on your, uh, on your food list for Walt Disney World, there's no better place. Walt Disney World has uh, a seriously long list of friendly foods if you have allergies or dietary restrictions. And one of the things we ate at Toledo, I'm, unfortunately I don't have many uh, of those restrictions, but they had vegan seafood, which was so good. Uh, my wife ordered that, and I ordered the uh, a little something a little more basic, the steak, but, man, it was delicious, especially with the sauce and the mashed potatoes. So, so good. So I highly recommend Toledo and even more so California Grill. I think I threw in, like, 10 restaurants in there for you, but hopefully that answers uh, your question of where to eat. really can't go wrong. There's just so many good places to eat at Walt Disney World. Oh, uh, Kayla, you're very welcome. I'm just scrolling down through some of the comments playing catch up. Thoughts on Disney Play? Sarah, I'm guessing you're asking about the uh, the Play Disney Parks app. And it's a lot of fun. It's a great way to spend time in the parks. A lot of people use it to sort of kill time in the lines and you can answer trivia questions and download some music. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of great things to it. If you go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge or uh, Pandora the World of Avatar, there are even more experiences with the Play Disney Parks app that you can enjoy. But as a whole, I truly think it adds a lot of great, uh, uh, you know, experience to the parks. But I would still recommend if you are in a queue, especially a really detailed queue. You know, maybe if you're in Peter Pan's Flight, there's not too much to look at. Although they did add the new virtual, the new queue uh, recently. Um, maybe it's a small world. There's not a ton to look at, and perhaps that's a good time to open up the Play Disney Parks app and. Learns a thing or two from the Disney trivia or from looking around the park maps, um, but if you are in a queue that has a lot to offer, I still think there's a tremendous value to sort of putting away your phone and experiencing it all to the fullest, and taking a look at all those details like we talked about before, and uh, doing anything you can to build those family memories, especially if you are with your family. Uh, put the phones away and do what you can to to enjoy the experience together. But I also know that's why Disney created the Play Disney Parks app is you can do things as a group together through the phones. So if especially if you have kids who don't want to put their devices away, it's a way to interact with them and still uh, have a great time as a family when you're at the parks. Did I ever do a podcast on Euro Disney? Mackenzie? I have not done one on Euro Disney uh, now called Disneyland Paris. I have been and it is on my list of things to get to. I will admit when I went, uh, I was sick. My wife was sick. We didn't spend the full day there uh, because we just, um, you know, we're not feeling at our best, but uh, there's still a lot that I can offer. And it just gives me an excuse to go back to Paris, to be honest. And I, I absolutely love my trip to Paris. Of course, Disneyland Paris along with it uh spence you watched uh, my episode uh but heard summer college program is only for returnees this Is this true spence that is true uh you can only do the summer disney college program if you are a disney college program alumnus if you have never done the disney college program you can only do it in the fall or the spring as of this point at least they offer four different internships they have fall fall advantage spring and spring advantage. That's a fancy way of saying fall takes place during your fall semester. Spring takes place during your spring semester. Fall and spring advantage, add the summer to it. So if you're doing spring advantage, you'll be there from basically May until, oh, sorry, January until August. If you do spring advantage, otherwise it would be January to May. Fall semester is typically August to December or January, actually usually January because of the holidays, and fall advantage is going to be from May until January but if you have done the Disney College program before you do get the opportunity to do the uh, summer Disney College program which is just for the summer so you don't have to miss school that being said if you are worried about taking a semester off depending on your college campus a lot do offer credit for doing the Disney College program it can be a full semester credit it could be partial credit when I did it my school didn't offer any but I was uh lucky enough or um, you know, fortunate enough to have taken some AP classes when I was in high school and got college credit in my freshman year that amounted to a semester. So I was already a semester ahead. So the Disney college program was essentially back on track. Uh, you can also take classes for credit while you're there. Some of the schools will offer credit for you. You can take classes down there either online through the school or through Disney because they offer classes as well. In either case, I think the experience is truly worth it. Uh, you know, I don't want to see you uh, fall behind graduation because of the Disney College program. Uh, it's an added expense, and added time. But if you can afford the time to take the semester off or hopefully get credit for it, it is one of the best experiences from a career development point of view and from a, like, magical Disney experience. You will learn so much and have an amazing time. Uh, it's truly a, an incredible experience. I would recommend to anybody in college Who's, uh, who's interested. Um, which does the animated movie would you like to see made into a live action? Well, Amy, they've done a lot lately, haven't they? Uh, well, that's a good question, though. I'll take a quick sip of coffee. Um, I would have to say that there's uh, so many good choices here. Princess and the Frog is the one I'm going to throw out, though. I think that the, the movie did not get as much box office attention as it deserved. It's an incredible film. The animation is beautiful. It was the last full hand-drawn animated film from Disney. And the storyline is classic. It's... But it's brought into the into the modern times. And I just love that film. The music, uh, everything. Plus, imagine a live-action film in New Orleans, uh, you know, back in the uh, turn of the century, turn of the, the 20th century. It can make for some incredible live-action shots, uh, a lot of really interesting special effects. You have They can blend some of the technology they've been using lately for animating characters with live-action, and they still have live actors and characters for playing the parts of uh, Tiana when, before she becomes a frog, and Avene before he becomes a frog. Uh, there's a lot of great action that they can include in there. I would love to see Dr. Vasilier as a live-action character. And again, the music, I think they could do a lot with it. So I would say, if I had to pick, Princess and the Frog would be my my vote for a live-action film. Although I know a lot of people really want to see Hercules, too. And I feel like Disney's going to do that. Uh, Tiffany, do I think magic bands should be used in all parks, especially the Hong Kong one? I think... Look, I think it depends. I really enjoy using magic bands. I find it to be not just a fun uh, branded accessory that you can kind of pick and choose which uh, character or attraction you want on your magic band or what kind of style or or color, but it also makes life a lot easier. Almost dangerously easy, in fact, because you can literally leave your room with your phone and your magic band and have everything you need. Maybe your ID as well. That's something else I'd bring with you. But you can just leave your wallet in the room, especially if if you're staying at Walt Disney World at a hotel uh, you can attach the magic band to a credit card and use that for secondary purchases for dining and merchandise and anything else that you buy in the parks. If you are not staying on property, you unfortunately don't have that option. But let's assume you are taking a trip to Walt Disney World and you're staying on property and you attach a credit card to your hotel room for secondary purchases. You can use your magic band for everything access to your room, access to your fast passes, access to the parks and purchasing anything in the parks. If you have the dining plan, it's used for your credits. It's, it makes life so simple and so seamless that I really think it's worth giving at least the option. You know, I think what Walt Disney World does well is that the Magic Bands aren't mandated. You can still choose to have a regular plastic park ticket and just use that for to tap for entry into the parks and for your fast passes. But uh, you, and you can also use your mobile device to get into your room. But for those who do like Magic Bands, it's a great option. So I would love to see Disney incorporate the Magic Bands at all the parks around the world. Are they going to? I don't think so, just because not every park is a, an international destination. Uh, Disneyland, for instance, is definitely a local park, although there are a lot of international visitors and visitors from around the country. But I think that uh, it would be worth adding the experience, which I would love to see come to all the Disney parks. What this comes from, uh, Joey? What fireworks or night show would you recommend to someone for their first visit? I, if you're going to uh, Walt Disney World, my recommendation is Happily Ever After. That is the classic, uh, you know, fireworks experience. Watching fireworks behind Magic Kingdom, but with the new updated technology for uh, projection mapping on the castle, the incredible music. It is it, it gives me chills every time i watch it it the first time i saw it brought a tear to my eye it's incredible emotional packed with classic music it's the the ultimate classic disney show to see so i would recommend that for a first timer to Walt Disney World to Disneyland i actually would not recommend the classic fireworks behind the castle i would recommend going to see World of Color over at California Adventure it is moving beautiful elegant there's no fireworks but there's incredible water effects and uh projection effects and fire effects and the music and just everything about it it actually is my favorite nighttime show of any disney park i love world of color so that is what i would recommend to a first timer uh gracie i i actually for undergraduate went to the question asked what university did i attend uh, for undergraduate, I went to a small school that only people in the Northeast would know, which is Hofstra University, or if you're a fan of uh, the uh, college basketball, uh, Hofstra is known for college basketball as well. And we're also famous for having the 2008 and 2012 presidential debates, but uh, I was not able to go to either because there was a lottery system, but uh, I did go there for my undergraduate degree, and for grad school, I went to Fordham University, which is a little more known here in New York City. Uh, What if they did a Chicken Little? (laughs) Chicken Little live action would be very interesting. I have to think about who would play the role of Chicken Little. That That would be really interesting. What other questions? I know there were other questions that were sent in earlier. I'm just trying to scroll through the comments and catch up. Jason asks, I'm a big fan of the original Fantasmic at Disneyland. Do you have a preference between the original and the update that they did? Um, You know, Jason, I really like the new version. I I think that Fantasmic is one of those shows that is a classic that has been around, of course, for decades at this point. But every once in a while, like I talked about earlier with the Haunted Mansion, things do need a little TLC. Uh, They need to be updated every once in a while. So... I do think that uh, Fantasmic needed an update and the new version, the combination of the technology, the new sequences they added makes it a really amazing nighttime show. And if you want to see the classic, more classic Fantasmic, you can still go to Walt Disney World, uh, to, the, to Disney's Hollywood Studios, to the amphitheater and still get a classic Fantasmic experience over there because they have not updated that one yet. Although to be honest, I am hoping that they're going to update it sometime soon. Lots more questions that were submitted earlier. Uh, Erica asks, am I going to Mickey's very merry Christmas party this year? If so, when? So Erica, by the time this episode uh, comes out, uh, not by the time it's recorded, I will have gone to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. So uh, on the episode today, I can't talk too much about the experience, but uh, stay tuned to Instagram and to Facebook. I'm definitely going to be sharing a lot of content and planning to record some audio for future podcast episodes. But I am going to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party this December in the middle of December. Uh, we're recording this episode at uh, about a week before I plan to be there. Actually, exactly a week before I will be there. And I'm very much looking forward to it new firework show uh the parade there's just a ton all the cookies the free treats that are offered at the at the almost at halloween party the christmas party uh it's going to be a magical magical event so i am really looking forward to going but yes mid-december is when i am going this year oh sarah the main street electrical parade yes i did a whole episode on that one as well so if you're missing main street electrical parade I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, Cameron asks, you're a runner. Have you found any good places to exercise on Walt Disney World property? I have. Let's take another sip of of water here. So my favorite place to run at Walt Disney World is over at Crescent Lake. For those of you who don't know where Crescent Lake is, it is the lake that is – uh, in the Epcot area resort. So between Yacht Club, Beach Club, and Boardwalk, there's this lake that's in the middle. I love a good run around that lake because it is, I believe it's close to a mile uh, to go around the fall lake. It is less than a mile, but it's it's pretty close. It's between half half a mile and a full mile. I forget the exact distance. Might be about three quarters of a mile. Those avid runners who do it every trip can probably tell me better than I can. And if you add this extension, you can drive, you can uh, not drive, run down to the entrance of Disney's Hollywood Studios. So if you want to make for a really fun run, you start over at the International Gateway at Epcot. You run over to Beach Club and Yacht Club, down across the bridge and down the stretch of path that takes you to Disney's Hollywood Studios. You turn around at the entrance plaza at Disney's Hollywood Studios, head back, and then on the way back, you go around the Boardwalk side. And if you wanna take a quick break there, you can. Or if you wanna do a second lap, you can do a second lap. And whenever you're done, the reason I recommend stopping at Boardwalk is because they have all the places to get a bite to eat. You can go to the Boardwalk Bakery and get some incredible food. Uh, for breakfast, if you're doing the run in the morning, which is the time I recommend to do it at Walt Disney World, you want to do—you definitely want to do it at the end of the day or the middle of the day when it's crowded. And that's probably my favorite place to run. But all of the resorts, believe it or not, have some sort of running path. And if you ask your concierge or any of the cast members working at the resort, they'd be able to direct you to a running path at the resort So if you want to maintain your fitness regimen while you're at Walt Disney World, you have a lot of options. So, uh, you know, I find that you get a lot of cardio from park hopping and from running around the parks uh, or walking around the parks. But if you are looking for that, uh, you know, that good run, uh, definitely if you're staying at an Epcot resort hotel, that is a great benefit of staying there. And you also have at any resort on property, some running trail that you can experience there too. So great question, Cameron, and uh, hope you'll also do some run Disney if you haven't done any yet before. Kayla, have I done any of the tours such as Wild Africa, Trek, or the scuba diving in Epcot? Well, I have done Wild Africa Trek, and Kayla, I've done quite a few tours, to be honest. I have done Undiscovered Future World. I've done Keys to the Kingdom tour. I've done Wild Africa Trek. And I've done the Segway tour over at Epcot, which unfortunately is no longer offered, uh, but that was great as well. Um, I've also done, if you consider this to be a tour, the uh, horseback riding over at Wilderness, uh, the Fort Wilderness Campground, which in itself is kind of like a tour of the Fort Wilderness area. But I always highly recommend Keys to the Kingdom tour. It gives you, it's about, at the time of the recording of this episode, it's about $95 a person plus tax, and that includes lunch. It is a five-hour tour at the Magic Kingdom. You get priority access to the Haunted Mansion um, and I believe Jungle Cruise. I think that's the second attraction, if I remember correctly. But you get a VIP tour guide who takes you around Main Street, USA, The Hub, Adventureland, Frontierland, and Liberty Square, and tells you all these incredible details about what went into designing those parts of the park. Plus, if you've ever been interested in seeing backstage, you walk backstage behind Splash Mountain, can see the show building, see where they recycle the water, you walk into the parade float building behind Splash Mountain, and you walk into the Utilidors. So if you've ever wanted to see what the Utilidors look like, You can experience that, and like I said, it does include lunch. At the middle of the tour, you will stop at Columbia Harbor House and eat in a private dining area that's reserved just for the tour. And you place your order ahead of time, so when you arrive, your food is waiting for you. I and it's my favorite. Like I said before, it's my favorite place to eat at Magic Kingdom. So I highly recommend Keys of the Kingdom tour. Um, While Africa Trek is a lot of fun as well, there is a little more uh, exercise involved with that. So I recommend not doing it during the summer. It is very hot. It is all outdoors in the summer, but it is a, a super fun experience. You get a private safari vehicle. You also get to eat lunch in the middle of the savannah and overlook all the animals wandering around in the savannah. Watch the safari vehicles in the distance driving by. Uh, the food is amazing and you get to go over, these, uh, like zip line style bridges <clears throat> over, you don't actually zip line, but you walk over these bridges and have a line connected so that you don't, uh, fall, <laughs> which is really important. They hook you up because you do walk over hippos and crocodiles, which are two aggressive kinds of animals. Um, and you learn a lot about the animals it's and about the animal conservation at Disney's animal kingdom. It's, it's really worth the, uh, the expense and the time to do it. Adam, do I think they will add another park? So I assume you're asking me if I think they're going to add another theme park to Walt Disney World. I don't anytime soon. Here's the reason why. And I know people say if they add a fifth park, people will go. However, the one thing Disney is always going to consider when they build a park is if that is going to add a day to people's trip or if they're going to replace going to another park with going to that new park. In the case of a fifth gate, the most likely scenario is people are going to skip another park to go to that fifth park. They're not necessarily going to add another day to their vacation or not enough people are going to to make that worth the investment. So ultimately it will hurt them financially, which, Money isn't everything, but money is what keeps Disney running. So they have to consider the financial aspect of everything. And uh, it also means less money to update the current parks. There's a lot of reasons not to do a fifth gate. Um, as a fan, you know, thinking, putting, if they had unlimited budget and we can enter sort of this, uh, you know, fictional world where that's not even a concern then it would make a lot of sense to add a fifth gate because you add new experiences and you could do so much from a creativity point of view. Um, But again, you know, the reason that Disney built Disney's Hollywood Studios and then Disney's Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios was meant to be a response to Universal Studios, which was opening at the same time. And Michael Eisner even pressed the Imagineers to finish the park first, which they did. Um, So although Universal was... Started construction first, Hollywood Studios opened first, because their research found that people would go to Universal Studios instead of Disney because it was a fancy new theme park. Animal Kingdom was meant as a response to SeaWorld and to Busch Gardens because they found that people were going to those two parks. So Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom uh, were meant to replace people going outside of Disney to go to similar style experiences around Orlando. Although is a little closer to tampa people were still making the trip adding a fifth park i don't think is going to take away uh from other experiences and people aren't necessarily going to add to their trip um so like i said i do think they're probably not going to add a fifth park uh anytime soon but continue to add to the current theme parks and make it worth even more worth your money to spend a day at any of the other theme parks uh, do I think Port Orleans is good? I love Port Orleans. I, I mentioned even earlier, because I know, Adam, you're just joining the Instagram Live, that French Quarter was at one point my favorite moderate resort. Now it's uh, Disney's Coronado, resort, Coronado Springs Resort because of Grand Destino Tower. Port Orleans is still amazing. I love going to the French Quarter and even Riverside. Most of my childhood was spent going to Port Orleans Riverside, back when it was called Dixie Landings. And I have a lot of fond memories of going to that resort. It The grounds are beautiful. There's a lot of places to walk around. There's a, It's one of the few moderate resorts that has its own full-service restaurant, in addition to a quick-service restaurant. And it even has a lounge where, if you visit on select nights, you can enjoy Yeehaw Bob, who is a legacy cast member who has been doing that show for, gosh, 15-plus years, 20 years. I think it's been at least 20 years, actually, he's been doing that show. And he delivers an electric, amazing, uh, hour-long, one-man show that, at the beginning, people are like, what is this? And they're kind of hesitant and quiet because he's trying to get them to interact. By the end, that room is roaring. Um, He does such an amazing job of engaging an audience and making such a fun experience, which is why they still have him around. And French Quarter, by the way, is a small resort. There's only one bus stop, which I think is a tremendous advantage, and it offers um, a lot of great theming and the rooms are beautiful, so I think you can't go wrong with Port Orleans. I think we have just a couple of minutes left, looks like, so I'm going to take one more question, and uh, I want to thank all of you for watching on Instagram Live, by the way, and participating. Uh, let me see. <clears throat> christian asks i know galaxy's edge just opened but do you see them adding another attraction anytime so christian i do think that they will definitely add an attraction uh because even bob and scott trowbridge have mentioned that galaxy's edge is meant to be a canvas that they could continually paint more on um kind of misquoting them a little bit but they do plan to add more experiences to Galaxy's Edge as time goes on. Uh, It might not be a formal ride when you think of an attraction, but I do think they will add new attractions and experiences to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as time goes on. And so I think that's something that we can look forward to. So for those of you watching Instagram Live, we have a minute left. Uh, I wanna thank all of you so much for sending in your questions ahead of time and hanging out with me for the last hour for this fun Disney Q&A. If it's something you'd like to do again in the future for a live podcast recording, for those of you listening, please let me know. I'd be very interested in hearing your feedback if you found this conversation to be valuable as a bonus episode, not to replace anything else. And uh, this episode is going to be out within the next month for those of you on Instagram Live. So hope you have a very happy holiday season and a very happy new year. If you don't already subscribe to Imagine Your Podcast, be sure to do so on any podcast app so you can hear your questions and answers on Imagineer Podcast. So thanks so much to all of you and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. with that we close out this special bonus podcast episode of the imagineer podcast i want to give a special thank you to all of those who were watching on instagram live and who sent in some really incredible questions both in advance of the discussion and during the live q a and for those of you who are listening to this podcast episode and thinking to yourself well, I'd like to participate in one of those as well. Be sure to head over to Instagram and to follow me at Imagine Your Podcast because you never know when I might throw in a live Q&A. Most of them, as I mentioned in the beginning, are not recorded, but I thought I would record this one and throw it onto the show as some extra special bonus content while you wait for new episodes of the show to appear. My question for you for this episode is, what other questions would you like me to answer? I do my best not only to wait for these live Q&A discussions to answer your questions, but to answer them on an ongoing basis. I do read each and every email and direct message I receive on any social media channel personally. It is always me responding, and I do my best to get to each and every message that is sent my way. So if you do have any questions, you can send them to me in so many different ways. You can either email me at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out in a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Imagineer Podcast. You can also reach out on Twitter at Imagineer News. And if you send me a tweet or a direct message there, I'll be sure to read and respond to it or perhaps save it for a future episode like one of these bonus episodes. You can also follow me on TikTok and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast. And if you would like to send in a voice question where you can share your feedback or a question over the air and i will do my best to play it on a future episode of the show you can actually call our listener voicemail which is 516-406-8376 if you send me that message and i will do my best to either respond to you directly or to play it on a future episode and respond there on imagineer podcast I would also encourage you to join our Facebook group so that you can ask your question not only to me, but to all of the other listeners of the show. Uh, Whenever there is a question that's posted, I find that a lot of people dive right in and provide some really great insights, things I wouldn't even have thought of. Uh, So whether you're looking for advice on a trip to Walt Disney World or to Disneyland or what to watch on Disney Plus or anything else that might be on your mind. If you join our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imaginary Podcast Disney Fan Community, you can send in your questions in a post there. And I know that all the other listeners of the show who are part of that Facebook group will do their best, and I will as well, to provide any feedback for those questions you might have to offer. If you don't already subscribe to the show, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcast app out there. If you hit the subscribe button, it'll be sure that you are first to know if a new podcast episode drops. And I've been throwing in a lot more bonus episodes than usual lately, so you never know when I am going to throw in a surprise episode here or there and uh subscribing to the show make sure you get a notification for each and every single one of those episodes that does come out and one of the best things you can do for the show there are actually two things one be sure to leave us a rating and a review in the apple Podcasts slash itunes store i know they've changed names lately and uh, i want to thank those of over 200 of you who have left a 5 star rating in the iTunes store over the last couple of years Uh, I read every single one of them and I am so grateful and appreciative for all of you for helping to keep this a 5 star community tells me I'm doing something right and has been pushing me to create an even better experience for all of you Uh, so if you would take It literally takes five seconds to rate the show and anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, depending on how much you want to write, uh, to leave us a review in the iTunes store or even on Facebook. I'm so thankful to all of you who have done so and encourage you to do the same as well if you have some thoughts that you want to leave for others to see and uh, give them a reason to subscribe to Imagineer Podcast. The other thing you could do, which really helps support the show, is of course to share it. Whether you share out this podcast episode or any other episode of the show, or the podcast as a whole, or even your favorite social media post, every share does so much, I can't even tell you how much, to help to grow this community and that community has been growing so fast lately. So I just wanna thank those of you who continue to share each and every episode uh, or post or anything else that's out there. I notice it and I'm so incredibly grateful for all of you. Uh, The other thing you should definitely check out is the Imagineer Society if you're interested in getting some exclusive bonus podcast episodes, as well as early access to every single Imagineer podcast episode out there as new episodes become available, access to a private Facebook group just for the Imagineer Society, and monthly video calls where you get to have a two-way conversation or multi-way conversation with a small group of us who get together on video and just chat about things that have happened in the last month or ask questions that are related to Disney and just have a great time talking about Disney as a whole you can go to patreon.com slash imagine podcast to learn more about Imagineer society it is a monthly membership there are no fees associated with joining or canceling other than of course the monthly tier that you sign up for the the higher the tier uh, or say that the higher you contribute the the higher the tier and the more perks and benefits you get with that uh, so be sure to head to to patreon.com slash Imagine Your Podcast. All of those proceeds do go to help to keep the lights on for Imagine Your Podcast and support new initiatives for the show. And be sure to check out our partners, The Kingdom Insider, over at thekingdominsider.com as well as The Kingdom Insider on all social media channels if you're looking for a great source of Disney news. And Christy goes to a lot of media events as well, so if you're looking for some first look at any new attraction, or anything else that Disney has to create. Christy lives locally and goes to a lot of those media events, so be sure to follow The Kingdom Insider for all of that. Plus, be sure to check out Academy Travel. Academy Travel is a diamond earmarked travel agency that is recognized by Disney for their exceptional level of service, which they've been helping to plan Disney vacations for the last 25 years and doing an amazing job at it. They can help you not only to plan a trip at no cost to you, but actually help you to save money because they know all the discounts that are available. And if new discounts do become available, they can let you know even after you've booked your trip and apply that discount to your vacation. So it saves you a lot of time and a lot of effort. Be sure to check out Academy Travel. The easiest way to do that is to look at any of the links in the show notes below and click on whichever link you're looking for a free quote from whether that be a trip to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Alani adventures by disney or any other disney destination around the world again academy travel can help you to plan your vacation and make for an incredible and affordable experience for you lastly i just want to thank all of you so very much we are at the start of a new year the year 2020 i am doing everything i can to make this year an even better one for all of you listening and to deliver some incredible podcast episodes. I have a lot of exciting episodes in the works, which I cannot wait to create and to share with all of you. More attraction backstories and history and fun facts, a lot more fun group discussions, hopefully some great Disney interviews with some uh, mini Disney celebrities out there and uh, so much more. So I want to thank all of you so much from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to do something that I love and uh, delivering a great source of or what i hope is a great source of disney magic and positivity for all of you speaking of which remember as always that incredible quote from horizons if you can dream it you can do it thank you so much for listening to the show and we'll see you again in a future episode of imagineer podcast Welcome aboard Spaceship Earth. Journey with us now to the dawn of recorded time as we explore the amazing story of human communication.